beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White with Bert Deister. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend before Memorial, Memorial Day. Day. So a lot of people trying to get prepped. Yeah. Trying yeah. to get beer kegged, trying to get the garden in order. The weather's been great. Everything's great. Yes. Everything's good. How are things with you? Good. 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 Last week we talked about your new brew pot. So uh, if you want to, if you're thinking about getting a new brew pot, all the things you have to consider if you want to find that at uh, our audio vault on demand. Uh, this week we're going to get into making a wit beer. But before we do that, uh, Memorial Day next weekend. This yeah. is this is the turn of spring to summer, really. It's yep. not on the calendar, but I think in the minds of everybody this becomes summer. So summer brewing and drafting supplies if you need stuff yeah you guys are ready so anything from like a, a party tap to like a kegerator conversion or if you want to kind of make your own built-in kegerator we have all that equipment if you're looking to get out on the patio and start brewing we have high btu protein burners big wart chillers all types of brew pots we talked about that last week and everything you're gonna need if you just need a keg cleaning kit we have that so anything kind of beer related for summer we have you covered a little bit except for the actually brewed beer I mean, right. We can give you the grain hops, but right. you got to make the beer. Gotcha. But we have you covered for all of your summer kind of beer and brewing needs. Um, so come on in and check it out. Very Even good. if you don't homebrew, if you need some draft stuff, you need some bar supplies, we have that. Hop rhizomes and a hop planting guide. We did that on uh, April 28th, a few mm-hmm. m- weeks ago at this point. Um, so when it comes to hop rhizomes, where, where do things stand? Now is when everybody, so I was telling, you know, plant them two months ago. If you can get your hands on them, if you can get them in the ground, go ahead and plant them early. Now is the time of year when everybody's actually thinking about planting them. Now until, you know, really midway through June uh, is when people actually start getting out to the garden. Yeah, you kind of want it ready by Memorial Day, but you don't want to be out there working in the snow trying to get the soil ready either. So now is the time that you actually start getting to gardening. And we are starting to run out of some variety. I believe Tetning, we're out of. Nugget, I think we're out of. Sterling, we're out of. We still have plenty of Cascade, Columbus, Centennial, a um, couple of the Halleratows, um, but we are starting to run out of varieties now. So if you're looking to get in, get in soon because that list is only going to go down. Yeah. And when it comes to um, the, the varieties that you've got, they're all hardy, all in this area. They're all pretty hardy. good. There are some differences. This is something we're starting to talk to a lot of people about. So, like, with some of the, like, the English and the American hops, you tend to see bigger flowers, bigger leaves, um, bigger uh, actual rhizome. So it kind of grows a little more meaty of a bark and a little bit more, like, we'll say tree trunkish. Where if you look at kind of some of the more German rhizomes, you get finer flowers that are really, you know, smaller, you know, smaller leaves. And the rhizome itself is actually smaller. It doesn't grow as big. Woody. Um, so we have lots of different options. We always encourage somebody, if you're looking to plant in multiple locations, plant different hops because they don't always do well. Generally, the rule of thumb is, oh, in the United States, when we get American hops, they're going to do well. And depending on your soil type, that's not always true. I know some people who have some very peaty, loamy soil. The English hops tend to do a little bit better. Um, and I know some people who tend to be up on you know hillsides just a little bit uh, more sunlight, and they tend to do better with some of the German varieties. So play around with it. You might find that one takes better than other. They're only $4 a piece. So, you know, next year if you decide to rip it out and plant more of whatever works, it's not going to cost you. All right. Let's get to today's topic. We're going to talk about making a wit beer, which is from where? 
which is from Belgium. Belgium. Um, and it, it kind of used to be a uh, an overall style. So let's one, let's talk about wit beer. So we call it generally wit beer. In the French um, part of Belgium, they call it uh, beer blanche. Um, wit beers comes from more of the Flemish-speaking part of Belgium. And then it's also synonymous with, you know, Belgian white ale, you know, white beer. These are all the same style. And one of the reasons I think it's so many names is it's an old style and it has many different varieties. So many yeah, versions of what you could call uh, whip beer. And it's really a 400-year-old Belgian style. So it's been around for a long time, but then died out in the 1950s and then kind of later revived by Pierre Sellis. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But it's first written about all the way back in the 14th century. And like a lot of other you know Belgian beers and really Belgian breweries, it was controlled by monks. And so it was brewed in monasteries and really came around around from Louvain, Belgium. Um, so that's where we see the start of these pale, you know, white spice beers. At that time, they would have been fairly farmy, though. You know what I mean? And maybe even the fermentation's borderline wild, um, although they were reconstituting yeast, kind of repitching at that point. Um, but the spices in the whipped beer kind of um, covered up a lot of, you know, problems or esters that might have been created during fermentation. Um, so Belgium was kind of a big trading port, uh, you know, kind of, I think with the Western end or one of the Western ends of the Silk Road. Mm-hmm. And so you saw a lot of exotic spices being used, you know what I mean? You know, we think of, you know, cilantro or Asian parsley, not really known to grow in Western Europe. Same thing with orange peel or, you know what I mean? Paradise. So you had exotic seeds, you know, being used in a relatively local beer. And sometime around the 16th century, um, brewers in Belgium formed a guild of brewers in Hogarden, and the small town became a kind of epicenter of beer, focusing really kind of around the, you know, wit beer. Um, so you had all these brewers, in a, uh, you know, coming together in a kind of educational format, and it really kind of brought up everybody's game. So Hogarten, Belgium, became known as the like, place to go for these you know, style of spice beers. But then the 1800s came around. You know, so we're talking about pre-World War I, pre-Prohibition, but it still really changed the brewing scene. In Europe, you had this big industrialization. As everything else industrialized, so did the beer. Malting techniques got better, so you could do uh, better converting, you know, uh, lighter colored, drier finishing malts. Um, hops kind of started to become a standard kind of bittering agent because of a lot of their antioxidant properties. Um, and most historically, all beers kind of started to get, we'll say, watered down. You know what I mean? English moved to lighter bitters. Uh, you know, Germans moved to, um, you know, more to pale lagers. Uh, and so really, the whole beer scene started to get watered down, but not really the wit beer. And this is where Belgians kind of, I think, get their kind of classic uh, um, label as having exotic beers. And when the rest of Europe kind of went industrialized and kind of went to macro lager. Belgium held fast to its roots. Um, but then, World War II, post-World War II, the whipped beers began to disappear. They began to get placed by light pale lagers and other imports that now, due to pasteurization, had better um, potability. So you could, you know, transport a, a Guinness from Ireland all the way over to Central Europe. You know, a Pilsner Urkel could come all the way from 
you know, Czech Republic and possibly tastes exactly how it did. Mm -hmm. So this kind of being this cultural epicenter, being this kind of center of Europe, um, in Belgium they kind of got flooded by import beers from all sides and a lot of these wit producing breweries actually closed down. Um, so you fast forward to 1966 and a very famous milkman, I borderline say the most famous milkman ever, there's only one I can ever think of, um, really missed his white ales. And this is Pierre Sellis. And he missed him so much he decided to move out of being a milkman and was fascinated by brewing. He decided to do something about it and he started brewing white ales again. Um, it was really quickly a hit with beer lovers. So not only could import lagers be transported into Belgium, but now with better brewing techniques and, and you know, some of, I think, what he kind of brought over from the milk industry as far as pasteurization potability, now these white ales could be transported uh, all over. And so they became a hit with beer lovers all over. They still had that kind of, you know, small batch kind of farmy feel um, in a realm that was really otherwise uh, kind of... Uh, you know, populated with big, you know, brewery lagers. And you can still buy the beer today that bears his name, Sellis White, um, from oh. Hogarden Brewing Company. So there, there's I'm, a whole I, loop I, around. And this is really, you're going back to, we talk about how, like, Does Hogarden Brewing Company make Hogarden? The, the Hogarden, yeah. And okay. They do, like, Sellis White, Red. Yeah. It's Sellis White. That's not the... I believe that's the original That's, that's the one I've always thought of. That's okay. my favorite. It's It comes in, a, you know, get it in the big bottle, the, chill it down really cold, wait till it's really hot, get a bunch of friends over, and that's how you should drink that beer. That's not the same beer as the one that if you went to a bar, they put in a giant glass and they put a like an orange slice in it, right? When I, If I go up and order a, a whole garden, who, that's not the same beer? I think they usually... No, no. They, they, they make a bunch of different okay. ones. Yeah, I'm just um, making sure that Whole Garden is from Whole Garden Brewing, but I'm not sure about yes, that. Yes, okay. yes. Yes, they're all from the same. I can, um, I can honestly say that's one of the first craft beers that I would drink consistently. Like, coming up to, you know, from... I went to school at Syracuse. Coming to Niagara Falls, the world of beer. What was it, what was it called? The um, There was a place up there that they had, like, all these taps. Way Niagara be- Falls, Ontario, right? Yes, yes. Niagara, yes. Way before... It wasn't World of Beer. It was something no, like... No, World of Beer is in, yeah. you know, South South No, but I can remember yeah. being up there and getting a whole garden, like, when I was 20. I mean, this is way before yeah, the craft beer craze. It wasn't pizza plant. No, it wasn't sure. pizza. Man, it's going to kill me what, what it was. I'll think of it. Yeah. But no, it was an intro beer for a lot of people. It's, while there's a lot of kind of similarities, we'll say, in it's, you know, lower in alcohol, it's pale. It's refreshing. There's no overpowering flavors. Yeah, it's a great so summer it's, beer. It's, and it's a great beer for kind of to really throw somebody who's into, we'll say, you know, in, or big lagers into the world of craft and kind of small batch beer. Because there's no big offsetting flavors. You know what I mean? It's crisp. It's refreshing. It's light in color. Um and so it's a good beer to send people to. And so the Whip Beer has a big history, and it's had many different kind of variations on it. But there's, you know, kind of a few, we'll say, requirements that it always has had to have. And, and I mean, obviously, we're talking about, you know, you know Salus White here and stuff like that. But there's obviously a lot of other, you know, kind of macro elephants in the room, like uh, Blue Moon from Miller Coors is probably the one that everybody thinks of. And for a while, I mean, that kind of had that same advertising campaign if you think about it you know what i mean what their slogan craftfully brewed or something like that and it was a you know i'm kind of throwback to small batch craft beer before the kind of big american craft brewing wave um 
but making your own wit beer is very easy and I think very rewarding. It's definitely, I think, something that, you know, non-craft beer people see as exotic. Maybe as craft beer fans, especially because it was an intro beer for somebody like you, somebody like me, um, we're very familiar with it. To them, it's still very exotic. And I think it's a very good beer to kind of brew we'll say, in your own small batch light. So it's something you can easily uh, adapt to, um, to, we'll say, your own, you know, taste and your own, uh, we'll say, garden as well. Okay. So. I got to think more about wit beers. When I'm out and I'm ordering beers, everything you just described is like, especially for this time of year in the summer, like, yeah, why don't I just go to those a lot more often? They're, mm-hmm. they, they've got great variety and taste and refreshing is consistently how you feel about oh, when yeah. you're drinking a whipped beer. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the history of whipped beers. How about making your own? We'll get to that on the other side. We're, we're halfway through the show here, so we'll get to a break. Making your own wit beer. That's on the way on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520, talking about crisp, refreshing, ice-cold with beers. Yeah, how to make one for yourself and for your friends and family so you're the star of the show in the summer yeah and and so we could just give you an easy sell us white clone right and so you can have some wheat some oats aromatic malt pilsner to fill up your grist bill uh very mild hopping in the bittering you know coriander orange peel paradise seeds and make sure you use wet yeast and that will get you if you brew everything right that will get you a mid-30s bjcp beer every single time we'll get you a very classic um example that i think everybody will be familiar with um and that'd be easy for us that's like you're just like first page kind of google you'll get like you know five really good clone recipes but i we have more time to kill than that and so we want to give you kind of the builder the kind of uh the kind of spirit how to make a whip beer in your own spirit so what does a whip beer kind of have to be well it has to be light in body and has to be kind of light in color we'll say that's very common between all of them uh it has to be lower in alcohol this is a summer like light body drinking beer so if you're brewing something that's spiced in 8%, 9%, you're into the Belgian triple, you know I mean, really strong Saison range out of a whip beer. You can't really call it a white ale. Um, and there has to be something local, I think. With the Belgians, they had really great uh, farming soil and really are well known for their malts. So they would throw all these wonderful, really flavorful local malts in it, but they would also bring in something exotic usually in the form of spicing. So I think if you're doing your own whip beer, you kind of have to do the same story. you got to have something local. So I would start off with local grains, and then I would move over to something exotic on the spicing. Um, and it has to be refreshing. I think that's probably the most important character to any whip beer, is it has to be clean, has to be refreshing, and has to be complex. 
Um, and so that's where you're shooting for. So you don't want anything overly bitter. You don't want it overly sweet. And you don't want the mouthfeel to be too big. Um, but that's a pretty simple bill to carry as far as putting the recipe together. And then there's two things I think kind of intimidate brewers a little bit. One is you want to use a wit style yeast. You don't want to just use a general Belgian ale or a general Trappist. The, the wit beer yeasts usually have a little bit of pepper clove. They usually don't have as much fruit flavor as some of the other Trappist style yeasts, um, and they attenuate really well. So when the beer is said and done, they're going to give you that dry finish. They're going to give you that subtle kind of peppery nose. It keeps the beer nice and refreshing. And they're going to do all that without trouble over a range of temperatures. If you get into using like Ardennes or Sedans, Ardennes does make a really good wit yeast, but you really have to do a lot more temperature control. If you go with like Saison or, you know, just Belgian Trappist, you'll be fighting all the time to keep like banana and bubblegum esters out of the beer. You know what I mean? And trying to keep it in that spicy range. Mm -hmm. So the wit yeast will do that really, really well for you. Um, the next thing we want to do is talk about the spicing a little bit. And I don't want to, you know, there's obviously some classic spicings to the Belgian wit. Um, orange peel, you know, is definitely one of them. Um, and the coriander as well, but you can really mix it up. So I usually make mine with actually lemon, lime peel, and cardamom. Um, or just the lime peel and cardamom. And it definitely makes it different when you give it to somebody. It's light-bodied. It's lightly spiced. They know it's a whip beer. However, it doesn't have the necessarily classic spicing that goes into whip beer. And you see that, I think, a lot with brewers, and it really opens up the style. With the spicing, always keep it light. If you put in a touch and you can barely taste it, you're probably going to still have a really good beer. As soon as you go to too much spice, it becomes that cardamom-only beer. It becomes that lemongrass you know, beer. It's no longer a wit. Wit should be balanced. You know what I mean? You should be able to perceive all the flavors uh, in a little bit. So pretty simple rule. Pick a, you know, light colored base of mixed grains. Take it easy on the hops and spice it up, but always just a touch because a touch of spices is always nice. Too much is always too much. Okay. So you can always may put in a little bit more the next time on the recipe. I used to brew a wit every spring. I've kind of fallen out of that habit um, as I've gone more and more towards draft beer. Um, this was a batch I always bottled, um, and I would like to make another one this year, and I think I will. Um, but I would encourage any home brewer that's looking for something to be, you know, really have a home touch feel. You can really get creative with your own whipped beer recipe. Um, you can use spices from your own garden, um, which will give it a very unique flavor, um, and you'll get a very unique beer. One that will still should be, you know, a good crowd pleaser as well. All right. You know, much more of a crowd pleaser than some of the other weird beers, historic beers we've covered. Right. Much more of a you know, than a juniper like saute or something like that. So, <laughs> right. Th this again for the home brewer, this seems pretty tame because it's the beer that most people kind of fell in love with. And a lot of people, when you tell them, "Oh, I made a Belgian white," they'll be like, "Oh, Blue Moon." As much as that makes you cringe inside, if they're a Blue Moon drinker, say, "Yeah, like Blue Moon." Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and and it will be a good one to kind of, especially well, if you're having people over. It's a quick brew. It's a cheap brew. 
it's easy and it'll be easy to get rid of. I think I'm my wife for this because she likes Allagash White. She likes mm-hmm. White beer. She White beer. She she anytime we're out someplace and she, uh, she, I want to order her a beer, she can always fall back to that knowing she's not going to ever be disappointed with it. Yeah, like IPAs are so diverse that there's some she'll drink one and not like it, but a wit beer. It's a crowd pleaser, like yeah. you're saying. Like and you've even, got, even though they're spiced. When you're talking about beers that pair well with food, because it's balanced, because all the flavors are readily, you know, pretty subdued. You know, what I mean, for a spiced beer, it matches just about anything. You can pair it with just about any food. You know what I mean? Um, even if you've been drinking IPAs, you still pick up flavor in a white ale. So if you need something lower alcohol to move, you know, to in the afternoon on Memorial Day as the sun hits you, the white ale is that good choice. They're just a good fit for summer drinking and a good fit for what could say non-craft beer fans yeah one other thing you had mentioned you'd written down we didn't talk about it the concord grape triple yes that so, tell us about it what how did it go what well, happened? it's a great beer if you know one blow off and big mess per batch is you know not enough for you you want to be scrubbing out your fermentation chamber twice I suggest this Concord grape. So triple. you had a double we, we blow had, off. We had a blow off. We let that settle. We hit about 25 points of gravity. It was still actively fermenting. Here comes the Concord grape. You know, I mean, had just got all the brown out of the fermentation chamber, yeah. put in the Concord grape, same beer, no more yeast, and it roared up again and blew purple all over the fermentation chamber. Wow. And so really active, but we've already tried little samples, and it tastes really good. Hmm. And we didn't put any other spicing in there. We really wanted to um, since we were doing a Belgian triple, but we kept it simple to, you know, a lot of Belgian malts, you know, Belgian Trappist yeast, um, and uh, Concord grape. And this is the one? Lots of purple. Is this the one you made at the Learn to Homebrew Day? Yep. So we started it there, then we came back in, we hit our – gravity for adding the concord on tuesday so it had already been rolling for over three days by the time we put the uh, concord in so the concord grape concentrate that was pasteurized um there was nothing we needed to do to stabilize it or anything like that so it was just crack the fresh seal pour it right into the fermenter the beer was maybe bubbling like once every minute within a half an hour it was back up to for full roll in the blow-off tube and then came right out of the Erlenmeyer flask all over the fermentation chamber, just like splashing out of the Erlenmeyer flask. Hmm. And the taste is? Good so far. Yeah. Good so far. We just racked it over to secondary yesterday. So it's sitting there. It's clarifying, thank God. Um, it didn't blow off again when we moved it over. No renewed fermentation. It settled out nicely. We've got about uh, five minutes left here. One of the things we, we were talking about before the show is uh, – this, what what was it? The mud beer? The, oh, the, the mud beer. The, yeah, the go, the I, I think that you want to, if they're that's I think a good nickname that I hope sticks for this. So it's the if you've seen it online, we were talking about the well, Jeremy, you brought up. Hey, I've been thinking about ghosts, and I'm like, oh no, is this that toasted coconut fair Rocher beer? So if if you want to look it up, there's a, a new beer out. Uh, it is from where was it? Uh, Android Theory Brewing. Um, they admit that it's the ugliest beer that they may have ever made, but they think <laughs> it's one of the better tasting. Um, and that is a toasted coconut Faro Rocher goes. Um, and if you want to look, if you're a brewer, it looks like about the first three inches of your fermenting bucket on Pete Croizen. Uh It is muddy. It is cloudy. There seems to be some type of flock in the foam you know what i mean it's not just like a crisp white head of foam here there's like 
there's like yeast that seems like actively flocculating in this beer. Um, it kind of looks to me like a, like if you ordered a mudslide, like a, or you went to the grocery store and got one of those pre-made mudslide mixes that mm-hmm. doesn't have the vodka, poured that into a glass, and that's a beer. Yeah, like it's it looks chalky, milky. It looks like somebody left out a White Russian. Like you had a house yes, party, that's it, that's somebody it. showed up with a gallon of milk and Kahlua, and then their pitcher glass is left out on your counter overnight, and yep. you get this separated. And I'm not saying it doesn't. It's not going to taste bad, and I'm not I, saying that I wouldn't try it. I want to try it, but has all visual appearance on beer been lost? Well, I guess this is the opposite end of the spectrum from glitter beer because there's yeah. glitter beer, so it's trying. That, to, that you're just trying to make it right. Seen at that. Well, point. you want to make it look a certain way, and this one's the opposite end of the spectrum. I, I tried to go the other day. It was watermelon and sea salt. So I want to say, if like at the end of the and salt is appropriate in a ghost. That's a yeah. traditional ingredient. Yeah, Let's but but at the ends of the. How uh, safe a beer is for the party. We're talking about wit beers all day is the crowd pleaser. A ghost on the other side is not exactly that, in my opinion. That can, that can clear a party for you yes. really quick. If all of a sudden you like hide all of your beer, say the drafts run out, but I have this goza, that can clear a party if you're looking for yeah. it. I mean, you're going to get a couple you know, hard, fast lovers that probably stick along you know, way longer than you'd want to for that goes Slowly, slowly sipping. Um, but it will clear out a lot of parties. Yeah, it's not a popular style. It's not a good one to throw in for a cloud breather. There are some beers that I think slip in there. You know what I mean? Um, so the uh, uh, the New York Beer Project. Yep. They they do one that they uh, do with like passion fruit. Very very good. Um, it's slightly sour. No big funk to it. Some of them can get really cheesy, really funky, and then also if they're really salty. So you got fruit, salt, cheesy. You really got to be like, you know, somebody who loves like apple and cheese and, you know what I mean, to love these kinds of beers. Right. And and I think they're always good in moderation. Um, if they were trying to make a splash, they, they made a splash. They, they got some promotion out of it. Um, it'll be interesting to try it. I guess the, the, the real test will be, is it still around next year? You know what I mean? Do we see it again? Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm if I can find it. I'll try it. Yeah. All the things you mentioned in it, <clears throat> hazelnut. I mean, like, it yeah. sounds like a stout that I would like, and I'm willing to try anything that has, like, those elements of it yeah. in a very different style, of course. Yeah. But personally, even a goza for me that looked like this, I would I would not be serving to people. I mean, I'd be in a car, but we'd be in the basement. Yeah. I would be hoping for some subtle, at least get the flock out of the head. You know what I mean? I'm the kind but, of tr- I'm the kind of guy that eats dog biscuits if they look really appealing. I want to try them. So yeah. I mean, I'll try that beer. Yeah, I, I can't throw stones. I yeah. have taken a bite out of a dog biscuit, a dog cookie because it looks really tasty. Yeah, I've, I've never have on purpose. I do admit <laughs> I smell all my dog's food before I buy it for him. Though, yeah. if you if you smell something, it's just like, whoa, this is, you know, awful. What I do don't you want to make him eat it? What do you do if it smells great? What was that? We had we I had, contemplate for months and months about you know we what had I mean? chicken jerky. And I, I thought it was for me. My wife bought I thought I went to open it, and I'm about to take a bite. I look, I seen there's a dog on the package. It's like, oh, this is this smells delicious. I want to eat this. And on the back, it said, this is not for you. It's for your yeah. dog. No, I, I buy one brand of uh, dog jerky that when I give to somebody, here, here's you know some dog treats. I remind them, those are dog treats. These are not people jerky that I also give to the dog. Those are dog treats. And if you try them, please let me know how it is because <laughs> I really want to know. All right. Well, that's it for us. We're back next week for Memorial Day. Big blowout Memorial Day sales and all that stuff. We'll get to some good stuff with uh, what's going on with Memorial Day. And uh, happy brewing.
You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.